Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. And here at The Art of Charm, we may not have all the answers, but we certainly have some of the questions. Of course, on Fan Mail Friday, those questions come from you. If this is your first time to The Art of Charm, Fan Mail Friday is a great sample of how we operate at AOC, but by no means a full helping of all our show has to offer. Listener interaction is one of our favorite parts of the show. Without you, we would have no show. So our typical content is much more in-depth with well-known top performers in their field. We work to unpack their methods, their theories, and their hard-earned insights. These are people you either know or should know, and we use a longer format to help you understand what processes or steps they use which help them become successful. Then, we distill those concepts down to help you apply them in your life. For a great place to start, check out some of our most popular episodes at theartofcharm.com, where you can find the best of, as well as our fundamentals toolbox, which includes topics such as reading body language, charismatic nonverbal communication, the science of attraction, negotiation techniques, networking and influence strategies, persuasion tactics, and everything else that we teach here at The Art of Charm. We'll send all of this to your inbox if you text CHARMED, that's C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444 in the U.S., or just go to theartofcharm.com. Or grab the iPhone app at theartofcharm.com slash iPhone and, of course, slash Android for you droid users out there. All right, let's cut to it. Jordan, does teaching all this stuff ever overwhelm you? As a listener, it overwhelms me. Just wondering how the experience is for you, especially since you're in proximity to all these great people all the time. Not that I don't include you in that group. Signed, Arturo. Hey, Arturo. This stuff, well, teaching this stuff like we do here at the Art of Charm, actually makes it harder to apply, which is counterintuitive, right? You'd think, oh, Jordan's in the it's neck deep and all this stuff all the time. It actually makes it harder to apply because of the expectations of other people. I used to be afraid to be vulnerable, even though we teach that same topic at boot camp, and it had gotten me so far. And I cut myself off from that because of what other people, in other words, you all in the audience, might think. Now, I've since come through that years ago, but it wasn't easy. Now I realize that I'm actually that much more fortunate that y'all are listening and you're here to help me as well as help one another. Pushing through that sort of force field wasn't easy because of the level of perceived risk being that much higher. So instead of just vulnerability, it adds public humiliation on the permanent record and on the internet into the mix. So actually, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily overwhelm me because of the amount. There's a lot, but I, I would say try to apply one thing from each show that you learn or you know keep it in mind. Just like books, you're not going to know everything that's in that book. You can just apply what you've learned. However, you got to look at it from our perspective, which is you might listen to a show about 
first impressions, and then you meet me at a conference five years later. You listened to the episode yesterday. I recorded it half a decade ago, and then I don't do something that you heard in that episode and then immediately think, this Jordan guy is such a fraud, right? And you might not be thinking that at all, but for years and years, I was worried about what other people were thinking just like that. So it actually, it has its own challenges, being around all these great people. And yeah, there's a lot of comparison. There is a lot of, oh, well, you know, am I gonna, I'm, I'm nobody, I'm not doing anything important because the show's not as big as the next, you know, Stephen Colbert is bigger than me or something like that. You always end up comparing to people inside and outside your field. So I know there's a lot of people that say when they write in, oh, you know, Jordan, I want my show to someday be as big as Art of Charm. Well, believe me, I have the exact same concerns about totally different shows. It's, it never ends. It's a losing battle. And so for you, Arturo, and for everyone else, don't let it overwhelm you. I'm here to deliver whatever you can hold in your brain at that time. You can always re-listen. And frankly, a lot of these concepts you'll find from one episode to the other. So you don't have to worry about studying and mastering everything you hear at every single time, at every single point in each show. All right, next up. Hey, AOC team. Should I quit my job? I hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it. I, I think I mentioned I hate it. <laughs> Lots of my friends are starting businesses selling info online. Should I be doing that as well? Signed, Restless. Oh, yeah, this is classic. I get some form of this question pretty much every single week. Look, I, I'm not going to go off and tell you individually what you should do with your life, but do not start a business because you hate your job. Nope, nope, nope. Never do it. Never do it. <laughs> no. Hating your job is not a business plan. That's what I think a lot of people don't get. Hating your job is not a business plan. Many people make money online teaching others how to make money online. Think about that for a second. If you're going to start teaching people how to make money online, but you're doing that to make money online, you can't start by doing that because that means that the first sales you make of your how to make money online course are essentially lies because you don't know how to make money online other than teaching people how to make money online. It's this weird, disastrous cycle. It's the snake eating its own tail. It's a bunch of BS. Yes, we call it, we call the snake Orberus. That's, that's who the, the snake actually is. So, Oh, really? I did not know that. Yes, we, we, we've covered this on, on my other show many times, and it is exactly the same thing. You cannot sell something that you don't know how to sell. Right, or do, for that matter. I mean, you just can't. It's not fair. The ethics concerns aside, it's not going to be very effective because you don't necessarily know how to speak to that market appropriately. You're going to be found out, even if you're really good at selling to it because you have the same problems as they do. You're not going to be able to articulate solutions, and you're just a scammer at that point. But anyway, look, should you quit your job? I don't know. But you certainly shouldn't be teaching other people how to make money online, even though you're not doing that. And again, hating your job is not a business plan. If you hate your job, you can find another job, you can learn different skills, you can make the best of your current environment, you can change your own attitude, but what you should not do is become a con man, which is what this person is looking like he's gonna do here. So Restless, I know you mean well, but think about your impact on other people, and frankly, if you hate your job and you go into teaching other people how to make money online and it's disingenuous, you think you're gonna like that any better? You won't have a boss other than yourself, but you're still gonna be doing something that is a negative, I would say a takeaway, a negative for the, the world at large. You're gonna not be able to sleep at night, just like you can't now, restless, I see what you did there. And if you have any sort of conscience at all, you're gonna feel really crappy about what you're doing. So no, there's a lot of other things you can and should be doing, as I mentioned before, but conning other people out of their dough is not the way to do that. So look, I would say change your attitude, change your job, change your environment, but uh, and starting your own business is admirable. But if you're gonna do that, you need to do it in a niche where you're qualified.
Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Jason, next one. Jordan, this one's for our mate asking about where to find Kiribati-related jobs. He may want to look into the environmental organizations such as Greenpeace or if Kiribati is expected to be one of those countries most affected by rising sea levels 
And so it makes for a good research spot. Signed, Chuck. Oh, yeah, that's right. So the, our friend who speaks this random language and wanted to use the Giribas language in something now that he's back in the States, I didn't even think about that. A lot of these islands, we get a lot of listeners from those places as well looking for what field to go into. Environmental research, environmental groups, research of any kind, frankly, is going to be great in these Pacific Island countries. So a little random aside there, but hopefully that helps. Thanks, Chuck. Jordan, why did you choose Serbia when you were learning Russian? Signed, Ralph. All right. So I essentially, I went to Serbia, not Siberia, Serbia in the former Yugoslavia, and I lived there. And I was studying Russian at the time, which is weird because in Serbia, they don't speak Russian. They speak Serbo-Croatian or Serbian. And I was essentially, the way I, the reason I got interested in that was one, getting a, a visa to Russia when I was in college was nearly impossible because Putin had just kind of come to power and they had just arrested this kid in Russia because his Russian was too good. I'm not even kidding. It was an American kid studying there. His Russian was really good, so he ended up going to jail. He was rotting in a prison cell somewhere because we had expelled some KGB or FSB spies from the U.S., and they decided that's how they were going to retaliate, was arrest this random student. So I wasn't going to go to Russia. And I was in a linguistics class, and the teacher was helping younger kids who were refugees and she had pictures that they had drawn in the classroom. This is a when I was in University of Michigan. And one kid, he drew a picture of police officers shooting people, and the caption was, we left because we didn't want to get killed by the police. So I felt like I had to understand what was going on over there. Again, the picture was the police shooting a bunch of people and shooting at, at a house, and it was him and his family that were supposed to be in the house. And they left because the police, of course, in Serbia, Kosovo, et cetera, were being murdered by the government. So I wanted to understand what was going on over there. I'm not sure I'm still wired that way, though. You know, I used to go to where the hotspots were. Now, I would say probably not. I feel a lot more mortal these days. Jason, did you ever have that moment where, like in your 30s, where you went, oh, crap, I can die? Yeah, yeah, it comes with age. You definitely start to dial it back, dial back the the risk versus reward, you know, versus adventure needs. Because, you know, your adrenaline isn't as high as it used to be and your testosterone's dialing back. But also you have more to look forward to because you've been building things for that, you know, first half of your life. And now it's just like, oh, I, I put in all this work for all this great stuff I've built. I don't need to go someplace where I could just get shot for my shoes or, you know, jump out of an airplane and not have the parachute open. You know, so you do definitely start to dial back that adventure quotient. Yeah, exactly. I don't know when it was. But there were times where I'm like, I'm going to North Korea. It's going to be so fun. And I didn't even think about a lot of the na the negatives. And I went through Kosovo and Albania and Montenegro. And I was walking the whole time yeah, through over borders <laughs> and stuff like you that. Crazy. You crazy. I, yeah. I mean, it was fun. And now I'm kind of like it, it, part of it was getting married slash dating Jen. You know, now I'm like, I can't bring her there. But a lot of it's just being older. And having things like, oh, my knee clicks now. It's like, oh, that's nev possibly never going to get fixed. Oh, things on me can break. I don't want to accelerate that process or give anybody another excuse to do something even worse. So, And that reminds me, this is random, but I've been studying Putin, Vladimir Putin, Russia, and Russian propaganda and government recently. So I would love to know, what do Russians think of the current attitude in America? Especially if you're Russian and you were in your 20s or 30s or older during the time of the Soviet Union, what do you think of what is going on in America right now? I'd love to hear from you. I'm Jordan at theartofcharm.com. You don't have to write me a book. I'm just curious what you're seeing. Because what we're experiencing now from what I'm reading is 
uh, this just looks, there's a lot of stuff that's happening now that looks a lot like some of the days that weren't so grand back in the 80s in the Soviet Union, especially during some of the turmoil times. And I'm curious if this is just drama or if there really are, if there are real parallels here in your estimation. And I think only somebody who was an adult, a grown ass man or a woman back in the Soviet Union can answer that question. So please, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Oh, uh, there's also a follow-up from the last couple weeks, the dark side of the brain. Remember when I said, oh, well, you know, sometimes I feel like just smacking people across the face, what would happen? And I know I would never do it, but the crazy person in me that that I wondered was in other people. So many people wrote in with the dark side of their brain. And the more I've done brain research recently, the more that there is a part of your brain that just kind of does everything impulsively and doesn't get sort of checked by, what is it, the prefrontal cortex or something like that. And some of the favorites for those that wrote in, a banker said he thought about throwing hot coffee all over his boss all the time. And he said, the problem is I like my boss a lot. He's a great guy. We hang out. But he thinks about throwing hot coffee on people in meetings, throwing hot coffee on his boss. A surgeon The surgeon, you know, someone who you'd hope is really calm and collected, said he thought about jumping up and down on chairs or tables in his office and just screaming at everyone. And one of the secretaries, she she wrote in anonymously because she feels so bad. And she said when people take more than their fair share of candy, she thinks about just reaching over with a pen and just jabbing them with the pen. But she's a nice lady, and she said, I love people, I love kids. I even tell people to take more candy. But sometimes people just, they just do, they just take it in this entitled way, and I just want to stab them with a pen, but not really. And I'm so glad to hear I'm not the only burgeoning psychopath uh, when it comes to this. But the more, like I said, the more I learn about brain science, and we're going to hear from some really amazing people in this field very soon here on the show, the more this sounds like part of the brain that everyone has but that is usually controlled and kept in check. So in people who have damage to this area, they often do these things impulsively. They cannot control their own behavior, which is kind of scary. Usually it's not that violent, of course, but it's similar to Tourette's syndrome in which people simply blurt out what is often the worst possible thing at the worst possible time. And some people, of course, as you know, actually suffer from this. And it seems like the fact that we have these thoughts at all reminds us that we're just one brain injury away from being the same way. So that helped me think a little bit more compassionately and is very interesting area of study. We're going to hear from some actual professionals in this area as well. And Jason, a lot of people ask me, why aren't we doing a best of 2016 episode just like we did for best of 2015? What's going on there, Jay? Well, there were a couple issues along with this one. I'm glad everybody loved the 2015 episode. We got a lot of feedback on it. And to be honest, 2016, we had a lot more fantastic episodes than we did in 2015. So whittling down the list was going to be really difficult or end up with a seven hour show. Also, everybody's traveling and it just takes forever to do that show. For uh, just comparison, I spent over 40 hours on that best of 2015 show between getting the questions together, getting the clips together, getting everybody to get the clips to me and all of the stuff, all the production that went into it. That took a week of my time to just do that one episode. And at the end of this year, we just didn't have the time. We really didn't have the time. So instead for Christmas, we gave everybody Tony Hawk. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like we had to kind of weigh the the pros and cons. And the pros came out where it's like we have so much like so much talent that wants to be on the show now and we can just either share great shows or spend all our time going back and making a best of show. 
but we do manage the best of list at theartofcharm.com slash best. So you can go and, you know, pick our favorite episodes regardless. But yeah, it was just going to be too much time, too much work. And, you know, I wanted to get to the Christmas tree and open some presents this year. I hear you. I hear you. I definitely agree with you on that. And uh, thanks for explaining that. All right. What's next in the pot? You never said anything about this, unlike almost everyone else on the Internet. But what did you think about the United Airlines situation? Uh, yes, the United Airlines situation. I'm I have I'm of mixed feelings here. However, uh, I think that it would. Well, look, Ryan Holiday wrote a great piece about this. I'm going to let him do the talking on this. And the title of this article is United Airlines isn't the problem. It's good people doing nothing. And I could not agree more. The upside is that we all agree on something again. Liberal or conservative, MAGA or hashtag never Trump, everyone thinks that what happened to that poor doctor on the United flight was pretty horrible. To be dragged off like a dead body, taken to some TSA gulag in the basement of O'Hare Airport is disgusting, it's disturbing, it's unconscionable. I don't disagree, but I must bring up a point of division in this refreshing moment of unity and outrage. What the hell were all the people on that flight thinking to allow this to happen? Where was the consensus then, you know, when it might have done something? There's a wonderful line from George Eliot. People glorify all sorts of bravery, except the bravery they might show on behalf of their nearest neighbors. It would be interesting to look at the Facebook feeds of the passengers and flight crew in the few days leading up to the event. Assuming they were ordinary people from across the nation, not unlike many folks that I call friends, I assume they were filled with posts urging politicians to stand up for this cause or that. Some would have posted calls for Republicans and Democrats to stand up to Trump. Others would call for Trumpers to stand strong against the onslaught of political correctness and fake news. And I bet more than a few of them shared the inspiring video of the man in Atlantic City who saw a crowd of boys fighting on a street corner and intervened with a passionate speech that ended it. Or maybe they shared the video of him being honored by the city council for his efforts. Yet in the moment, they didn't stand up to block the aisle as the goons dragged the man off. They didn't stand up to say, you know what, I can catch the next flight to Louisville. I'll volunteer. These people, some of whom may have just months ago protested at that very airport in outrage about the Muslim travel ban, watched a much more pointless and avoidable outrage occur in front of them and thought only to capture it on their phones. And for the flight crew, from pilot down to the attendants, surely more than one of them heard about the Zimbardo experiments in school or the now debunked but clearly true, in theory, Kitty Genovese bystander effect. Surely, the officers see themselves as people who go to work every day thinking they're the good guys. And yet, here we are. And I don't mean to make this about politics, but I spent a good chunk of 2016 very worried about a Donald Trump presidency. Since he's taken office, that worry has not abated, but my response to it has shifted. I've come to believe that we are way, way too obsessed with what is happening at the national and international level, and we have utterly forgotten a basic piece of common sense wisdom. Doing the right thing starts at home, and goodness starts with you. What happened on that airplane is a great example of what happens when a society has spent so much of its moral energy talking about what things mean and predicting all manner of slippery slopes and forgotten that at some point those words have to be acted on. That it isn't in theory that these things matter, but in actual real life. In an ordinary airplane when you're rushing to get home and you don't want to be inconvenienced. Because of this, they've also completely overstated and exaggerated what courage and bravery needs to be. You don't need to be a Navy SEAL. You don't need to be Wendy Davis. You don't need the filibuster, period. You just need to be a human being. 
while we shout on Facebook that General Mattis needs to confront Trump about some issue or that the Senate was cowardly for confirming sessions or not fighting Gorsuch harder or that more Republicans should have crossed party lines during the election, we're often neglecting to practice our courage in our own lives at the most banal levels. On the other side of the spectrum, the conservatives who rant about big government or tyranny or the danger of bureaucracy seem to be conspicuously quiet when the petty manifestations of these problems rear their head in public. We all laughed at Pepsi's tone-deaf commercial as if that's a trait exclusive to beverage companies. But would we stand up to scrutiny or the standards we project onto those other people? Are we as brave as we casually expect everyone else to be? Undoubtedly, I will get email from people and on my social media feeds who are gonna say, what could someone like me possibly have done? Well, let's start with anything. Obviously, United Airlines failed colossally at several points in this process. About that, I think few reasonable people would disagree. They should have upped the ante on their vouchers and hotel accommodations until enough people took them. They should have done whatever it took to get their crew members dead hanging to Louisville on another carrier's airplanes if vouchers to paying customers weren't working. But from what we know so far, None of that excuses the inaction of the passengers aboard that plane. That's what George Eliot was saying. Bravery is not something reserved for other high-flung people. Bravery is not something we should berate other people for lacking. It's something we should push for in ourselves and leave pretty much everyone else alone. I say that with some irony in this uh, critical piece here, and I also say with some level of caution, not having been there myself and knowing how quickly misinformation can spread online, even taking both those factors into account, though, I can say I've spent the majority of my own United flight to O'Hare, in which I am writing this, questioning what I should do in that same situation. Would I give up this first-class upgrade and this perfectly timed itinerary for a total stranger? How long would the situation have to go on for me to step up? Would I just hope it solves itself like I do with this rude person next to me who keeps elbowing into my area? I don't know. It's always good to be prompted into realizing that. I think about this on a larger level. How would I react if I saw a police car winding up the dirt road to my house to infringe on my Second Amendment rights or plug in whatever issue is a hot button for you? What would I do if I was drafted to fight in a war I didn't agree with? How would I react if I was pressured to reveal one of my sources or censor one of my shows? Why didn't I speak up when my neighbor made that remark? What if I saw someone desecrating Jewish headstones in a cemetery? What if I was on the subway and I heard someone say something awful to a woman wearing a hijab? My point is the world doesn't need another person talking on social media or even a podcast about what needs to be done. It needs more people doing it. Nothing major even, just the little stuff. Being nice, stepping in, lending a hand, drawing a line, standing up. There's a reminder from Marcus Aurelius, waste no more time arguing what a good man should be. Be one. I have it framed on my wall for precisely this reason. If we were updating it today, we might say, waste no more time yelling at other people about what courage, resistance, bravery, decency looks like. Just do it yourself. That's enough. You don't need to go viral to make a difference. And that was from our friend Ryan Holiday, and I think it is an amazing piece. And frankly, look, I honestly think that the United issue is way overblown. Not what happened, but this is just, so, it was so avoidable, it just makes me cringe and it's sad. That's really, really what it is. But look, I believe in the the power of humanity here, otherwise I wouldn't do the show. And I think that a lot of the people listening to this would be the first people to stand up and volunteer. Because I know, I've seen what comes through my inbox, I've seen my social media feed, and I think you all are, are as, a, as a whole, a very outstanding bunch of people, especially the vocal ones of you that, that tend to write me and, and communicate with me on a weekly or daily basis, I should say. 
And uh, on that note, we've been growing the show a lot lately, which means we've been getting a lot of attention, both positive and negative. As usual, the loudest folks are often the haters. And we've gotten several one-star reviews in iTunes because we had Scott Adams on, who has some crazy politics. And a few folks have accused us of being misogynist, which is just weird because really, I mean, come on, people. That's I'm a lot of things. I'm even a lot of bad things, but misogynist is not one of them. So if you use iTunes, please leave us a nice review. Write something in it if you could, not just do the star rating because those carry more weight. And I know we've helped a lot of folks. It would be great if that were also represented in some of the newer iTunes as well so we don't have just these one-star yodels in there. We'd really, really appreciate this. You can go to theartofcharm.com slash review if you need instructions on how to review something in iTunes because I know a lot of you probably never done that. Otherwise, I hope you enjoyed this show. Don't forget you can email us friday at theartofcharm.com to get your questions answered on the air. A link to the show notes for this episode can be found at theartofcharm.com slash FMF113. I'd love to hear from you. I'm on Twitter at The Art of Charm. It's also a great way to engage with the show. And Jason, you're on Twitter, right? Yeah, man. I'm on Twitter at JPDef. And you can also check out my podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks, every Monday. We're on iTunes or go to GOG.show to find out more. Nice. GOG.show. Don't forget about the AOC challenge as well. Text the word charmed, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444. Or go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. We take you step by step, becoming better at making personal and professional connections, become a better networker, increase your personal social capital and your charisma. It's for both guys and gals. So check that out. Text the word charmed to 33444, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to the number 33444. Or go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. Quick shout out to Ronald Adomako. He started listening to the podcast as he transitioned from an engineering background to more people skills. Says he blunders now and again, but through the weekly airings and meditations, he's much better and continuing to do work. I hope to run into AOC members in this strange land. I think he's in Kenya, uh, although that's truncated here. So thanks, Ronald. And Tyler Lundemark at Room Dividers Now. We were ordering room dividers of all random things, and they said, oh, we're big fans of AOC, so they hooked us up with some room dividers for the AOC studio, so thanks, Tyler, for that. Are you in a strange land listening to my familiar voice? If so, hit me up, and I'll shout you out. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com, including info on our live residential boot camps, those we run every single week here in L.A., so if you really want to dig into this stuff, work on your AOC skills with us as your coaches, go to theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. Now, stay charming. Get out there and connect and leave everyone better than you found them.